You know, Jason, there are podcasts I listen to that I love and I want to be part of their community. And a couple of them have uh, Patreons, so I sign up. And you know what? I wanted other people to be able to interact with us and be part of our community. Yeah, and people can do that right now over on our Patreon account, which is at electioncollege.com slash Patreon. Election College episode 164, Skylar Colfax. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben, in the last episode, we talked about the credit mobilier scandal, and... Well, we barely talked about Skylar Colfax because, well, we knew we were going to talk about him today. And he is probably best known for having a really cool name, but he's also known as being the 17th vice president of the United States. And of course, the president at the time was our buddy and everybody's friend, Ulysses S. Grant. He does have a cool name, doesn't he? Skylar Colfax, like that's a cool name. But then he also served under U.S. Grant, which is like a really cool name. I don't know, Ulysses. Like how do you have a cooler name than Ulysses? Right. Now, if you name your kid Ulysses now, I'd probably make fun of you. But that's beside the point. Right. We wouldn't make fun of anybody. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's just mean. I think the fact that we know how to say Skylar is probably, we earn some points for that. Watch us be saying it wrong, though. No, we wouldn't be saying it <laughs> wrong. Because we pronounce credit mobilier, right? Yeah, we're perfect on that. We promised at the very beginning of election college that we were going to talk about some of the personalities who may or may not have been people who became president. And our friend, Skylar Colfax, we're going to say his name a lot. Because last week, Ben said John Jay a lot, and it got me thinking, we're going to just reinforce it, because we're talking about history, and history people like to reinforce things. So, <laughs> Skylar Colfax was born on March 23rd, 1823, in New York City. His parents were Skylar Colfax Sr., you know, that makes sense, has the same name, who it was a bank teller, and Hannah Dedemeter Stryker. And they had married sometime before, uh, but his grandfather was actually William Colfax. And William Colfax had served alongside George Washington and George Washington's lifeguard during the American Revolution. And you've probably heard that name in the past. And he was actually a general in the New Jersey militia. And he married Hester Schuyler, who was a cousin of General Philip Schuyler. So... I don't know if any of that's making sense for you, but he, essentially he is very distantly related to Alexander Hamilton um, through marriage and stuff like that. So I just thought for some of you, that would be an interesting fact. Yeah. And it gets even crazier with his family life because his dad dies while his mom is pregnant with him, like five months before he was born. And then his sister 
died four months after he was born. So, oh my goodness. And then his mom later on marries George W. Matthews. His mom and grandma ran a boarding house as their primary means of making money. And Colfax grew up attending private schools in New York until he was 10. And, well, that was it for his education. And he ends up taking a job as a clerk in a store that was owned by his stepfather. So in 1836, the family moves to New Carlisle, Indiana. And several years later, in 1841, his stepfather is elected as the St. Joseph County Auditor. And I don't know if nepotism, if there was anything wrong with nepotism (laughs) back then, but he's like, hey, here you go, stepson, (laughs) come be my deputy. And Colfax is Matthew's deputy for eight years. And he's apparently doing all all right for himself because during that time, Skyler Colfax gets interested in journalism and uh, the Indiana State Journal has him covering the Indiana Senate and, you know, he's interested in all that kind of stuff. So he's like, well, I like this paper so much that I'm going to buy it. So in 1845, he buys the newspaper and actually changes its name to the St. Joseph Valley Register. And he not only then continues to cover the Indiana Senate, but also, you know, throws in some articles about just different politics in Indiana. He sends some stuff out to the New York Tribune. He becomes friends with our old buddy pal, Horace Greeley. And uh, only a couple years later, he becomes the editor of the South Bend Free Press, which was a uh, pro-Whig Party paper. And so he owns that paper that he had bought for about nine years and then, um, you know, kind of puts a little oomph behind the Whig Party until it begun, becomes the Republican Party a little later. Yeah. So as far as his personal life goes, in 1844, he married his childhood friend, Evelyn Clark, and they were married for 19 years and they, they didn't have any children. And uh, so she passes away in 1863, and about five years later, conveniently, two weeks after he was elected as vice president, he marries Ellen M. Wade, and she's a niece of Senator Benjamin Wade. And they have a son named Schuyler Colfax III, and uh, get this, Ben, he became mayor of South Bend later on in history. Crazy. I know a guy who lives in South Bend. Really? Does he get a Notre Dame? Uh, no, he is a police officer, or maybe it's volunteer. I'm not sure. I don't recall for sure. Uh, and he works a lot of the games, a lot of the football games. Sweet. Yeah. Anyway. Cool game. I, I would <laughs> imagine their games, their crowds are pretty tame. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think he a lot of times sits in his uh, cruiser and listens to podcasts. So that's oh. fun. Well, hey, thanks for listening to Election College. (laughs) So, uh, Skyler Colfax was a delegate at the 1948 Whig National Convention. And he also went on to be a delegate to the Constitutional Convention for his state in 1849 and 1850. But by 1852, they were like, listen, man, you come to all these things. We need to do something with you. So, they put him up as the nominee for Congress. And, uh, you know, he's there for the going to be 
hopefully getting in a position. It's he's going to be representing South Bend, but the Democrats come out on top and he loses to them. Yeah, so 2 years later, he gives it another shot and this time he runs as a candidate for the Indiana People's Party, which was kind of a intermediary party <laughs> that exists that existed after the collapse of the Whig Party and right before the Republicans became much larger on the national scale. So the Indiana People's Party was an anti-slavery party, and they were formed really to oppose the Kansas-Nebraska Act. So Colfax, he wins, and he serves there in Congress from 1855 to 1869, And while he was there, he was the chairman of the House Committee on Post Offices and Post Roads, and he even serves as Speaker of the House from 1863 to 1869. So he can't quite find the party that he likes at this point. And in 1855, he's like, hmm, the Know Nothing Party seems interesting because they have this anti-slavery part, and it's like a whole part of their platform, which is awesome. But he decides, eh, maybe I won't join it yet. Uh, I'll just sit idly by, I guess. And he didn't even know it, but they chose him. The Know Nothing Party chooses him for their candidate for president. And he's like, well, I don't know. I I never was a member. I, I don't know how I feel about it. They've got this secrecy oath and all that kind of stuff. And... No, I'm just not going to join it. So by the time 1856 comes around and he's up for re-election, he's like, no, the the real anti-slavery party is the Republican Party, even though they just were you know created a couple weeks ago or something. So I'm going to go ahead and join up with them. Yeah. So what he really becomes known for as being a, very much a radical when it came to the issue of slavery, he wasn't just opposed to the expansion of slavery, he said slavery was wrong and was totally against it. Kind of interesting because in this era, he is the Speaker of the House during the Civil War. And it is worth noting that when the 13th Amendment was passed in 1865, it was unusual for the Speaker of the House to vote he actually directs the clerk to call his name after the roll call had been taken. So he would have the final vote in favor of the amendment. And for those of you who don't know, the 13th Amendment is the amendment that abolished slavery throughout the United States and the territories. So Tyler Colfax does a lot of cool things. And, you know, he's a he's got an interesting name, as we addressed before. So uh, he just keeps on trucking along, doing some interesting stuff. And, you know, this this idea uh, after the war here uh, of, well, what do we do with the whole Confederate sect or segment of people here in the country? And so Colfax is like, you know what? Um, I don't think they should be reinstated in office. I don't like it. And he says, uh, don't give them any money back for all the debt that they caused for the rebellion. Don't be kind to them in any kind of way. They are in favor of slavery. I'm not okay with that. Yeah, he's even 
against the reconstruction policies of President Johnson. And he's leading the charge in getting Johnson impeached. What he said about Johnson during the impeachment was that Johnson was a usurper and was unfaithful in executing the reconstruction laws of the land. And he was just an all-around horrible guy. (laughs) So, So Colfax, what we need to know is that he is this Republican among Republicans. He's as far in the direction of a post-Civil War era Republican as you could get. So the 1868 Republican convention comes along and the Republicans are like, Ulysses S. Grant, we like him. He did good stuff in the war and we're going to nominate him for president. So Ulysses S. Grant becomes the nominee for president and Colfax gets selected for the vice president position on the fifth ballot there at the convention. And, you know, Colfax being a strong Republican is pretty popular amongst the Republicans. He's a friendly guy. He is loyal to the party. He was a um, early adopter, I guess you could say, and he hates Southern Reconstruction ideas. So yeah, let's do that. Let's go with him. And so, of course, Grant, I like his nickname. Yeah, yeah, Smiler Colfax because he <laughs> smiled a lot. Well, that's a good. That's a good thing to be known for, I suppose. That's how we know we're pronouncing his first name properly. Right, Smiler Skyler. Get yeah. it? I think it works. Mm-hmm. So Grant wins the election. Colfax, of course, wins along with him and becomes the seventeenth vice president of the United States, and he is inaugurated in 1869 on March 4th, and he's inaugurated in 1869 on March 4th. Yeah, it's interesting to note that Grant and Colfax were the youngest at the time presidential and vice presidential team, and that held until Bill Clinton and Al Gore in 93. Funny to think about, Ben, these guys, okay, Grant was only 46 years old when he became president. Uh huh. Skylar Colfax, forty-five years old. Oh my goodness, they're so young. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the black and white photos, the facial hair, what's going on, but they seem so much older than that. Maybe it's it's the war. It's just all that experience. It blows my mind. I was just just gonna say that anytime you're uh, in a war with hand-to-hand combat, essentially. I feel like you're going to age a little more than the rest of us. Yeah. So in 1872, Colfax is thinking, ah, Grant, he's only going to be a one-term president. As a matter of fact, there's no way he's going to run again. So in 1870, he's like, I'm not going to run for re-election in 1872. And the Republicans are like, well, what's going to happen with Grant? And Grant says, of course I'm going to run. And some were thinking that Colfax might do well if he decides to run for president. Well, Grant disrupting the whole thing by saying, I kind of like being president, really throws off Colfax's plans. And he decides, okay, yeah, I want to be vice president. And they get to the Republican convention 
and Senator Henry Wilson decides, hey, here's a perfect opportunity for me to slide in and get the vice presidential nomination. And that's exactly what happens. Wilson defeats Colfax by a vote of 399 and a half delegate votes to 321 and a half votes. What in the world were those half votes there, Ben? <laughs> um, but what we need to know is Grant wins the election in 1872, and Colfax, he gets sent home. So, of course, if you haven't listened to our last episode, you really should do that because we talk about the credit mobilier scandal. But we're going to talk about it a little bit here because it kind of uh, trips our buddy Skylar Colfax up just a bit. So during the presidential campaign in September that year, uh, the New York Sun puts out the article about all the people who were involved with the scandal. And of course, Colfax's name is on that. And uh, there's dissension and discussion about whether or not people were involved. And, and Colfax initially says to the press, no, I, I wasn't involved. I didn't do anything. But when they have a congressional investigation in 1873, they say, um, yeah, he took a $1,200 check for 20 shares of stock, and Colfax just continues to deny taking it. It's hard to deny taking and cashing or writing a check, I would think, but hey, he was trying in the end of it. Right. <laughs> so uh, whenever they get done with this investigation, he wasn't censured or even forced to resign because the everything took place when he was a congressman, and the fact that he wasn't going to be in office anymore anyway, so who cares what he has to say? Yeah. It destroys him politically, though. Oh, yeah. He never runs for office again. But like any politician whose career has been destroyed, what do you do? You go on the speaker circuit. So all this talk about it being a little bit of a shady thing to get wealthy after you're in office, that's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> so... Colfax, he goes around and he does defend himself against the charges of corruption, but but he's perceived as an elder statesman of sorts. I mean, here he was. He was the guy who stood up against slavery during the Civil War, and he knew a lot about the life and career of Abraham Lincoln. After all, he knew him, and he delivered uh, a series of lectures about Lincoln, and he went around the country and made good money doing that. So tragically, in 1885, Colfax was on one of these speaking trips, and he was transferring stations. And as a lot of us know, and we've talked about this before, it wasn't always that you transfer trains in the same place and he walked about three quarters of a mile from one train to another and he was in Mankato Minnesota and he was headed to Iowa to give a speech and five minutes after he arrives he dies of a heart attack and it was because of extreme cold and exhaustion it was negative 30 degrees Fahrenheit, Ben. 
Yeah. I don't know what to do with that kind of cold. That's ridiculous. But that's where he died. Yep. And uh, if you want, you can go see his his grave. It is open to the public. Uh, Pat, if you're listening, my buddy here in, in uh, South Bend, head over and check it out. Send me a picture or something. Yeah. So his legacy um, can be found all over our great nation. Uh, there are certain cities that are named after Schuyler Colfax, uh, all kinds of areas. I mean, California, North Carolina, and just about anywhere in between. Yeah. And I think, I think more, I shouldn't say more politicians because there are plenty who do that, but politicians would do well to follow his mold. No, it wasn't great that he was in, involved in a scandal, but you know, once he left office and wasn't uh, wasn't a politician anymore. He decided just to stay out of politics entirely, and you know he liked his life as a private citizen. Sure, he, you know, he was he was a businessman, and he still did other things. But uh, they kept trying to bring him back in and have him do other stuff. And he was like, "No, I I went in, I did my public service, and uh, I left. I'm done." And uh, I think that's pretty cool. I think that more more people in politics um, could could learn something from that. Yeah. So there you go. That's a little bit about Skylar Colfax. We hope maybe you learned something and know a little bit more about Credit Mobilier or Mobilier or Mobilier or Mobilier or whatever you want to say. (laughs) (laughs) What we know is that Skylar Colfax is pronounced that way. And we also know that Patreon can be hard to spell. We have a link for you in the show notes, but we want you to go check it out, electioncollege.com slash Patreon, where we are. And we're trying to uh, just get a little bit of support for the show. And if you want to help support us at 11 cents per episode or a dollar per month, you can do that all the way up to, well, more than that. And there's lots of good stuff in store for you if you choose to. Yeah, we look forward to interacting with all of our patrons there on Patreon. And of course, we are still on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Love to interact with you there. And one of our favorite things to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to do the happy dance. And we do that every time a five-star review is left. So 83.9 seconds of your time it will take this week to head over to electioncollege.com slash iTunes and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for everything, and we will see you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.